Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. I'm Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s, on KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. The Astrology Hour can be heard weekdays from 12 noon to 1 o'clock, and Tuesday's special expanded edition from 12 noon to 2 o'clock. And a hearty, happy, healthy, exuberant good afternoon and welcome to a special edition of the Astrology Hour. You may consider yourself fortunate or blessed if you're able to listen to today's show featuring channeled information on the topic which is Atlantis, the civilization of Atlantis inspired by a general question this Monday. And this is definitely a show to record because this isn't the type of information you'll get all the time. The information I have received on Atlantis has come from uh, channeled sources. Uh, when I was in the Academy of Atlantis back in the early 70s, our channel medium, Dana Marshall. Also, several meditations and visions that I personally have had. Of course, this show is the opinion of Farley Malaris, and of course, is very interesting and far out. <laughs> so when you hear this show today, it may blow your mind, especially if you knew nothing about Atlantis. All right, here's a topic you don't hear too much about in the normal news. But actually, this topic, this issue, and this story about Atlantis, the greatest and most powerful civilization that ever existed on Earth, I believe is one of the more important things, issues, and concepts and histories that we should be made fully aware of. I believe that trying to prove Atlantis existed or trying to find elements of information that would refer to a fact or to a theory that there was a super-powered, high-tech civilization on this planet may be difficult to find, but you got to believe with that kind of technology that lasted for thousands of years that they were able to develop quite a war machine also because Atlantis was a great naval nation, a naval warlike type nation at times, and some of the weapons that were developed would far and exceed dwarf anything we could imagine. So when the end did come, it literally dissolved and vaporized any trace of this civilization except, of course, for the myths that existed after Atlantis and some of the other great civilizations that rose up from the ashes of Atlantis, also astrology, which was in the roots of Atlantis civilization, and also many of the Greek and the Egyptian and the Roman myths that rose up. Of course, the proof that Atlantis existed is the entire red race, the red race, the Indian race, that fled to the Americas, to Central America and South America just prior to the destruction of Atlantis has prophesied many thousands of years ago. And, of course, those beings let go and gave up their technology to become more children of nature and children of God and of the Great Spirit. And, of course, they became what we modernly refer to as the American Indian race of beings and the tribes, the great tribes of the Western Hemisphere. Atlantis has been called the mother of empires, and it is indeed true. From the depths of her greatness, she gave life to the nations and ancient kingdoms In our history books, the rise and fall of this super empire has been and still is the saga of Earth man. No historical subject has ever evoked such controversy over such a long period of time. This civilization advanced to such social and technological heights that the societies that followed could only reflect back on them as godlike, thus creating the many myths that I will talk about in today's show and legends that we see today in the heroes of Greek and Roman mythology. 
The story of Atlantis is the epic of a civilization greater than any that has ever existed on planet Earth and is far beyond the imagination of most people today. The true beginning of the Atlantean saga is actually older than Earth. It goes back millions upon millions of years to another galaxy beyond the Milky Way and to another planet in that galaxy that was referred to in our tonal understanding as the planet Atlantis. This period preceding the year 13 billion B.C. found the Atlantean race in a state of technological and cultural advancement, the likes of which we will not see for thousands of years to come. The planet was half again as large as planet Earth is, having little surface water, but many geysers, springs, and underground lakes, hence why many of us feel extraterrestrial heritage, because many of us were on that planet before 13 billion B.C. There were no mountains or ice caps. The land surface was landscaped in a kaleidoscope of geometrical designs. Entire cities were built in gigantic crystal-like pyramids. By present-day standards, the entities there existed in a magnificent godlike state. The physical qualities of their existence was incredible. With almost absolute mind control, they functioned in a near-constant state of astral projection. The technology of that time and place allowed for such things. The physical bodies were used only for re-energizing with all sensations entirely brain and mind centered. There were unimaginable accomplishments in all areas of science and technology that I'm sure our human brains at this point in our technology could never understand with nearly unlimited mind power. And I want you to consider for a second what I'm talking about here, unlimited mind power. That means whatever you believe or whatever you think sometimes instantly becomes manifest. So they sought many new fields of experience away from the God force because they were still separate. Even though they were very godlike in their evolution, they still were separate from the force, so they became like unto gods unto themselves, which was a mistake. They turned to the ways of evilness and brought upon themselves with this creation of separation a great and horrible war that brought complete destruction to this once mighty planet. It's kind of like in the myth of Krypton and Superman, the crystal planet, of course, from the comic books. I believe is almost like a myth of the planet Atlantis. Some years before the prophesied annihilation of the planet Atlantis in another galaxy 13 billion years B.C., those few who had retained their faith were actually informed or inspired by the light of God that they had a chance for survival. And this is a divine intuition that they shared. And for those who wished to begin a new world, the price of this salvation would be memory of self. So that's where our loss of memory comes from on Earth. So the God Force in its creative process at this point chose to set them upon a beautiful new uninhabited planet in the Milky Way galaxy around the year 13 billion B.C. And at this point, these beings were in their spirit form. They weren't in physical form yet. And so for the first 1,570,000 years on Earth, Atlantean men and women, still in the spirit form, enjoyed the paradise-like environment of the still cooling tropical Earth. Now, when man began this new adventure, the land masses of Earth were quite different. Of course, uh, 12 million B.C. Most of North and South America, as we know it today, were underwater. Except for Arizona, Nevada, Utah, part of Peru, (laughs) which is pretty old land there, and the southern Cordilleras Mountains of Brazil, Iran, which is where the actual location of the Garden of Eden was in the Fertile Crescent there, and because the Garden of Eden situation did happen, when Atlantean man first became manifest into their physical bodies, and they started consumption, eating apples and having sex and such. 
the Caucasian mountains, Norway and Mongolia, were all above water also. The upper part of West Africa, which included Egypt and the Sudan, was also dry land, with the Nile River then emptying into the Atlantic Ocean. The polar regions were then tropical and semi-tropical, with the North Pole located in Upper West Africa. The Earth at that time had two major land masses, and that was it. So I want you to picture this. These masses were known as Mu, which is now the Pacific Ocean, and Atlantis, which is now obviously the Atlantic Ocean, got that name Atlantic because there was something there, Atlantis. Of the two continents, Mu was by far and above larger, centralized right around the Hawaiian Islands there. Though not as habitable, it extended from Baja, California, to Christmas Island, to the Fijis, to New Zealand, and like I say, the Hawaiian Islands would in time become the royal colony of Mu, as the Brazilian Islands would be of Atlantis. That's why many of us who lived in Mu, when we go to Hawaii, feel a spiritual tint there that is left over from millions of years of soul evolution and reincarnation. Because many of us, although we were Atlanteans, we were also Lemurians and Muians also. Originally, the continent of Atlantis was of a size nearly that of Europe and Russia combined, covering nearly all of the North Atlantic. Its western lowlands were the eastern seaboard of present-day United States, extending north to Halifax and the Gulf of St. Lawrence in Canada. Southward, this giant continent encompassed Cuba, joining the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico, reaching as far as the Ascension Islands to near St. Helena. To the east, it extended to the African coast, to the mouth of the Mediterranean, up the coastal areas of Portugal, and north to near the tip of Greenland. The Azores, Madeiras, and Canary Islands are some of the present-day remains of Atlantis. That's what's left. In time, the entity's inherent instincts impelled them to seek expression in their physical surroundings. The latent memories of their past began to dawn once more, but they swore they had learned their lesson and it would never occur again as it once did on their own planet to promote separation and therefore evil or a purpose beyond God or beyond the oneness that we all share. This is all going to make sense in the end. (laughs) Near the year 11 million, about 430,000 B.C., what we would call divine grace or divine intervention, which was a process that occurred, granted the Atlantean race mortal shells, physical bodies, as they envisioned. So human beings, homo sapiens, and not Neanderthals, we're not talking about mutants here, we're talking about people walk this planet 11,430,000 B.C. Some of the body types that we find on Earth that we call during caveman periods were actually mutants that were manifest after the great nuclear wars that occurred on Earth that we'll get to here in a moment. Now, of course, when the mortal shells were first created there, the myth was passed down, but a lot of this had a lot to do with the Garden of Eden and what happened in the Fertile Crescent by the Persian Gulf there in Iran. But the myth actually can be interpreted of the manifestation of humanity or the creation by God or the God force of human beings as we know it. Now, some chose the brown skin, what was to become the Muian and Lemurian race, The others preferred the red skin of their instinctive memories from the planet Atlantis, and they named their new homeland Atlantis from their intuitive memories. And it was at this time they were joined by the black and the yellow races from other ill-fated planetary experiences. So I just want you to get in perspective how the races were joined. When the Atlantean race manifested on Earth, they became red and brown, which were Earth-born races, And the black race is from a whole total planetary experience beyond Atlantis. And the yellow race also. That is why 
such distinct differences between the races in many ways, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, and each race, of course, excelling in different ways and different areas at different times. Now, the white race, okay, composed of souls having no incarnated experience previously, was given form at this time also, and as the epic of Earth-incarnated man began, there were 133 million souls at that time, approximately, from channel information that we received in the Earth plane. The black race, located in the Sudan and Upper West Africa, the white race in Iran and the Black Sea area, the yellow race was in Peru, which later migrated to Asia, the brown was in Mu, and the red race in the Atlantic Ocean, which was Atlantis, and eventually migrating to America and the Americas. As they returned more and more to materiality, the Atlanteans began to recall that which was better left dormant. By the year 7,900,000 B.C., the Atlanteans had created electrical power and atomic energy, while many of their Earth brothers were still dwelling in caves. Because this was a separatist society. They believed in isolationism beyond our wildest dreams. They didn't believe in sharing too much of what they developed because there was tremendous competition in politics that existed still at this time. And you got it. Excessive nuclear testing was also part of their civilization, which brought about the first great cataclysm on planet Earth, which occurred approximately 7,580,000 B.C., destroying about one-third of the continent of Atlantis. About two million years later, around five million B.C., the giant continent of Mu suffered a similar fate, with the land remaining then renamed as Lemuria. Millions of years passed without incidents of any magnitude, and with all the sciences in Lemuria and Atlantis eventually flourishing, of course, a lot of mutated beings existed after these great nuclear experiences. And the second great catastrophe, man comes through each time blowing themselves up, right? The second great catastrophe occurred in the year 1,080,000 B.C. as a result of several circumstances. For one thing, there was an excessive buildup of ice on the polar caps. But the major element was a gigantic underwater fault that we now know as the San Andreas Fault in the territory just off the western coast of the United States. This fault is still in evidence today, not nearly as severe as it was back then, believe it or not. This tenuous condition had been observed for several hundreds of years. The event was set off by the impact of three asteroids by themselves. The asteroids did not endanger the planet, but the pent-up pressures were released by the impact, triggering all the the twisting and the splitting of the Earth's crust, first of all. And, frankly, this terrible nightmare left pretty much all the animals and most of the population dead. So I'd say everything but about 1% or less remained around a million B.C., which is where a lot of us believe recorded history began. Remember the movie, One Million Years B.C., and we got the cavemen? So that was the like the rebirth of what was left, the mutants, and from that great turmoil that occurred from the asteroid impact. The Earth then settled upon a new position of axis, because that was such a tremendous change beginning the Ice Ages. So scientists like to look back at this point as when a lot of the beginnings happened, but the channel information we've received in my own visions, it's very different. Now we're getting closer to modern times here. In the year 50,722 B.C., the land was nearly overrun by huge destructive animals that destroyed property, food, and human life. It's hypothesized these animals might have been of extraterrestrial origin, actually. Even with the advanced technology of the times, the natural land formations defied their extermination attempts, 
Great numbers of atomic charges were placed deep in the caves and breeding grounds of these beasts. The detonation set up the chain reaction with natural forces in the Earth, and it broke up the Atlantean continent into several islands. We're talking that in order to survive, there was a war with the new Atlantean race and these huge animals that had supposedly been placed by negative extraterrestrial forces on Earth to destroy this planet and the people that lived here. There was a war between the people and these animals. And if you ever seen movies where we try to use nuclear bombs to kill Godzilla and stuff, this is a myth that has basis. Because more than just dinosaurs, these babies were invulnerable. So it broke up the Atlantean continent into several islands. Lemuria was also hit hard, leaving scattered islands in the Pacific. So that was a toughie in 50,000 B.C. Atlantis was pretty much reduced, much smaller. The next major event occurred in the year 28,000 B.C., the time of Noah and the Great Flood. And this was a natural catastrophe involving earthquakes, volcanic action, and of course the deluge lasting 40 days and 40 nights. It was of the natural forces, but allowed by the God force or the God creation essence that was probably pretty upset with this planet at that point to run its course unabated that man might finally learn another great lesson. So this dimension on Earth was kind of altered at that point during the Great Flood. We're going to get into the climax here of this Atlantean epic, the Atlantean saga. Now, one of the things we're going to find out more in this topic is that astrology was a very, very important part of Earth history and a science that existed the whole 12 million years, 13 million years of civilization on Earth. And it was one of the focal roots of Atlantean consciousness because Atlantean life was metaphysically based and the universe and the structure of this dimension was constantly analyzed with astrological energies playing a major role in analysis of this powerful engine. Hence my astrological legacy, spiritually speaking. I've always been into this, and I guess I always will. That's why this show is like an Atlantean radio show. And I'm sure I probably did a radio show on Atlantis more than once. Some people have even told me that. This is a special edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio. My name is Farley Malaris. We're here weekdays at 12 noon on KFOX, Redondo Beach, 93.5. This topic is the Epic of Atlantis. And, of course, it is the opinion of Farley Malaris and the information I have received to deliver to you on this topic has been channeled by mediums and by myself and also through visions. I have received most of the knowledge that I believe to be mostly true. Evil leads to the negation of God's aid uh, whenever man is in trouble, frankly. So, hence, mankind was left without his peace and harmony in times of travail and sorrow. And those of Lemuria scoffed at the stories of supreme retaliation and continued to build their powerful but incredibly corrupt empire on Lemuria. But as prophecy had foretold, it did finally come to an end that awaits all nations who defy universal law. The event occurred as prophesied approximately 10,700 B.C. Lemuria vanished in a tumultuous eruption, atomically displaced from existence by her own man-made destructive devices. Actually, I believe it was beyond nuclear energy. I believe it was like an evaporation device that was used. During the last few hundred years, of course, during this time, the major land segment of Atlantis during its last few hundred years of existence was then called Poseidia, hence the myth of Poseidon, King Poseidon, which is modern-day known as Neptune. And its size had diminished about to the size of India and was located in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean in an area that we now call the Sargasso Sea. This fantastic nation that existed towards the end was a sight to behold, very similar to what occurred on the planet Atlantis. The entire country 
was beautifully landscaped, with the continent seamed with concentric rings of scenic waterways. Along the shores could be seen temples and pyramids of breathtaking beauty and symmetry, architectural imagination, and great engineering skills like the magnificent aqueducts that swept across the land were in evidence everywhere. The carefully manicured greenery was dense and cooling. With the aid of weather control techniques, the temperature was generally kept at a constant 75 degrees. All forms of advanced transportation could be seen, including human flight. Some people could do that. The cars were of all sizes, mostly gyroscopic in principle, and were capable of speeds of up to 300 miles per hour on cushions of forced air. Solar powered in many ways too. They didn't use any animals to power their vehicles. Space travel was also part of the Atlantean technology at this time, with infrequent involvements with extraterrestrials, many of whom were based in Peru, what we know as Peru. Atlantis was a naval military nation and was almost always engaged in war somewhere upon the planet, sometimes with the more of the uncivilized factions of the planet. This was kind of like Atlantean sport, which really wasn't very kind, but but towards the end it wasn't as spiritual as we'd like it to have been. The cities of Atlantis were all magnificent, but the grandest spectacle of all was the inner island of the king. At the center stood a magnificent structure of gigantic proportions, dwarfing anything we would imagine on Earth today. Beautiful beyond description, it was called, and you should know it, the Temple of Light. And within the huge great crystal, which hung, it was called the Firestone, providing unfathomable power for the Atlantean way of life. I can't give you an idea of how much this crystal weighed, probably billions and billions of tons. The government was a semi-socialistic monarchy ruled by King Poseidon, with the royal astrologer Helonius and a 12-member council of governors. This society enjoyed advancements in science, technology, and medicine that surpasses anything dreamed of today. Yet within this super-advanced civilization was the ever-widening vein of decadence and blasphemy created by the powerful Belial faction. Belial, B-E-L-I-A-L. These sons of darkness had waged their battle of subversion and death upon the sons of light throughout the Atlantean history. And this battle actually was inherited from the planet Atlantis, Belial's versus the sons of dark light, and this still exists in America today, believe it or not. They took great pride in their heritage of evil. Scientific prowess was among their many forms of evil, inventing diseases like unto AIDS. And with it, they created and programmed the monstrosities of slave labor and sexual pleasures that would be called the automatons. And what had been primarily sporadic encounters finally turned into an all-out civil war and bloodbath that would end in the destruction of all. As the final hours approached, of course, years before the final hours, thousands of the red race escaped to the Americas, which was rising in what we call the United States at this point and Central America, so that's where the Indian nations came from. Obviously, they weren't into technology much after this, and as the final hours approached, the country was in a state of anarchy with violence and plundering everywhere. The Belials were a suicide faction and had planted thousands of nuclear devices and devices beyond our wildest imagination in and around the continent as a dramatic stand demanding unconditional surrender. The surrender never came, for the Sons of Light chose to fight to the last. And it came to pass in the year 10,000 B.C. that the great continent of Atlantis entered into a devastating orgy of self-annihilation. Atomic explosions began ripping the land to power, only to be joined by natural volcanic and earthquake forces. Within 32 hours, the super-empire 
of Atlantis was pulverized, evaporated, and whatever was leveled into the ocean, taking with it, I would say, several hundred million souls. Now, it is also hypothesized that over 60 to 100 million Atlantean souls descended from the planet have reincarnated and are now back in the Earth plane, many of whom in America, many think is the reincarnation of the Atlantean technology and spirit, faced once again with the choices not unlike those faced 12,000 years ago. And also, I would like to give you the philosophy, the Belial philosophy, basically, is separation and the belief that God is outside of man, or something that men, women need in order to be whole. So the Belial philosophy, basically, many of which is taught in our churches and synagogues, that God or the Messiah is outside of us, and somebody we should respect and accept. So this in the Bible would be called the Antichrist philosophy. And, of course, the Sons of Light philosophy was that the power of God existed in the oneness that was within the people, the messianic mind and the God-self existing inside of the people. Once again, the Belial philosophy taught that people needed God that was outside of them, and the Sons of Light philosophy taught us that the power of God was within, hence the philosophy of the astrology hour (laughs) is the Sons of Light. But some people that are fundamentalist Christians or whatever might say the opposite. <laughs> they might say, God's not inside of you, it's Jesus, or it's, you know, it's God, it's the Holy Ghost. Makes you wonder. See, the Belial faction is a powerful faction and very hypnotic and manipulative. So, considering the state of Earth, that it is in a very hellacious state in many areas, you got to believe that the Belial faction is very much currently in control of this planet right now. Hence the blindness and the veil are the illusion that many people are subjected to and closed-minded about. Hence, my search for further truth and open-mindedness will continue. Also, unicorns existed, and trolls, and elves, and fairies, and wizards, and sorcerers, and anything that's ever been written in any myth once existed on this planet, either through extraterrestrial involvement, Atlantean or Lemurian experimentation, but the myths have basis, including the Greek gods, the Roman gods, and, of course, many of the great beings throughout time. If there's a myth about it, it was real. There. I don't know. That was pretty heavy, wasn't it? <laughs> a pretty powerful topic. So people, people go, you've been doing Saturn Return, Jupiter, Rosalie, so come up with Atlantis. So why did I just tune into this show late? With that, we are ready to go to the telephone lines. And Jamal, is that you? Yes. And you're the Virgo Taurus Rising. And I know you love that topic. I can feel it. Yeah, I did like that. It's really <laughs> interesting. Brings everything into perspective. You know, life, death, birth, Christ, the Bible, everything. Yeah, clear some of uh, my things up uh, that I had been thinking about. What can I do for you, guy? Okay, I was calling for my son, Aaron. Okay, when's his birthday? His birthday is June 21. He was born halftime of the Laker game. Oh, he was just born? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> He's a Laker then. Okay, you want to know about his life then, huh? Yeah, he wants a general scan. Dada. Okay, he's a Virgo moon cancer son. Very, very hardworking little boy. He'll probably be doing dishes before you know it. And a very, very intellectual, psychological child with Mercury and Venus in Gemini. Mars and Pisces adds to his intense intuition and sensitivity. We don't want him to get too obsessed with money with Jupiter and Taurus. And Saturn and Uranus retrograde and Sag, his major lesson in life will be goals, friends, dreams, destiny, and happiness, overall happiness, okay? Okay, so he's a Cancer, not a Gemini. Right, Cancer, but he has Mercury and Venus in Gemini. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, he'll appreciate that. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Let's go to... Nora has a comment on the topic. Hi. Hi, Farley. How are you doing? Fine. I love the topic. I know. <laughs> I had a question, and um, maybe you could shed some light on it. I've had several dreams that deal with asking the 12. 
When I have certain metaphysical questions, I see a circle around me of elders, and it always says, ask the 12. I know the number 12 is very significant in Atlantis. And well, you just met my bosses. <laughs> you just you just made contact with my board of guides. Are you serious? They call themselves the 12, and, and I've been aware of them for about 10 years, and they've been made obvious to me several times through visions and through teachings and such, and you must be involved because now you've been made uh, contact with them, and good luck because... They're pretty trippy people. Most of them are extraterrestrials from the planet Atlantis. And just don't be frightened. Uh, Just protect yourself with light and go for it. And I can't tell you what they're going to tell you, but you must be involved in the elite circle of light. So it's pretty powerful. Okay? Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. The 12. Let's go to Mary Capricorn Sag Rising. Hi, Mayor. Hi, Farley. Yo. Yes, I was, my question is on the topic of yesterday about Jupiter. Okay. And my husband and I are going to Italy in September, and we have an opportunity to start a new business. In Italy? You're going to move to Italy, maybe? Yeah, hopefully. I was born there. What, what degree is your Sag rising? My Sag rising is, let's see, it would be on the line at 20, 24. Okay. Okay. And uh, my Jupiter is in the 11th house with Scorpio. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband is, I'm looking at his in particular because it looks a lot better than mine. His Jupiter is in the second house, Virgo. What kind of business is this, Mary? It's going to be a food business. Uh Uh-huh. Is this import-export or just a restaurant? No, it'll be, well, like a fast food. A fast food in Italy? Are you going to do it in America or in Italy? In Italy. Uh Uh-huh. American fast food in Italy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What's this world coming to, huh? I don't know. Well, I think, I really believe you're going to do well. I think that Saturn and Uranus in your money house will trine your Pluto in Virgo, and that should bring you tremendous income and tremendous fun, too, but lots of hard work, more than you'd ever imagine. You might receive some criticism and some political stuff because, frankly, Europeans, not all of them are happy with America or Americans. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you if you stay loving and positive and, and visualized, then you should have some success, okay? Okay. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Let's go to Donna now. Libra Virgo rising, hi. Hi. God, what a great show today. That gave me the shivers. I'm trying to get some mail up tomorrow, you know? Oh, yeah. That was fabulous. Did you record it? Of course. Oh, yes, and I'm going to send it to friends. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, That's a lot of information on today's show. Oh, yeah. I have some special angels within my realm today, I think. Oh, absolutely. How do you know if you're a bunch of Atlantis? Oh, I think you know. I think that the Atlantean spirit that comes from the ancient planet Atlantis and then was involved in the civilization of Atlantis pretty much relates to like beyond being an American Indian. Like the American Indian being the descendant of Atlantis, in a way, that type of culture was like the great spirit and a lot of their rituals and traditions, their ceremonies were things that were handed down from the planet to the civilization to American Indian culture. So if you feel an affinity with the red race or American Indians for any reason at all, that in itself will probably zero in and and resolve the fact that you were an Atlantean. That makes sense. See, the the red race, the Indians, were survivors of the Atlantean Holocaust. I mean, people wonder, where'd this red race come from? Where'd the black race come from? And we resolved all that today. We answered that for you. The funny thing was (laughs) that while I was incarnating on the planet Atlantis, I also was deeply involved in the black planet, the planet where the black race came from. Uh-huh. And I was also at this simultaneously throughout the millions of years of evolution, deeply involved in the oriental planet. So I'm like tied to mostly those three races, the black race, 
the yellow race and the red race from those three planetary civilizations because they were all utterly destroyed. And in my soul's attempt, I was trying to manifest some kind of salvation, which I'm trying to do on Earth, actually, too. But my soul's kind of tied to saving people or helping them somehow. That is amazing Mm -hmm. that you would need to know that. I'm trying. It's been a long road, you know, but in the time of eternity, hey, what else am I going to do, right? we got plenty of time. Yeah, we do. All right. I just wanted a general reading because sometimes caught in the here and now and knowing the other side, I just wanted to know where I'm going. Could you help me? I think you have a chart of a New Age teacher. You know, I think you have a chart of someone who is extremely spiritual, almost like a rabbi or a priest. I think you have the knowledge and the wherewithal to teach and to channel knowledge to others. Like, you know, this thing with sending people a tape of today's show is only a tip of the iceberg as to what you could do. You have the potential to teach seminars, teach classes, and I think it has a lot to do with your confidence and your personal security, your emotional security, and your personal optimism, whether you could manifest this. But you have all this Libra and Aquarius in your chart that's beautiful, and you have a Uranus trine Neptune, which is beautiful. And your Saturn in late Aries right now is being trined by Saturn and Uranus and Sag. So you're being rebirthed right now, and I think you're being prepared for a whole new career avenue if you want it, okay? I feel that. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, Brenda's on line five, a Sag Libra rising. Hi, Bren. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm feeling better now. <laughs> That's good. I just wanted a general scan. Okay. Uh, let's see. What I think for you, what is happening with you, you are probably entering a phase this summer where you're given an opportunity to burst out of a situation that might have been uncomfortable for you. Aww. I don't know what you're in that's uncomfortable, if anything, but you are shown some kind of surge, August and September. You're having a long Mars return. You're one of those people with Mars and Aries, and Mars is going to be in Aries for about four or five months coming up starting soon, which is a chance for you to renew your health, renew your relationships, from Renew your attitude and your values and your lifestyle. Oh, wonderful. When does this start now? It's starting right now. Yeah, it's happening right now. For the next four months. Four to five months, right. Oh, wonderful. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, let's go over here to Beverly on line six, Gemini Virgo Rising. Hi, Bev. Hello, Farley. How are you doing? Fine. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. That was a fascinating topic today. Well, thank you. I like to deliver that occasionally and... I know not everyone in the city was listening today. I wish everyone in the country would have been listening to that one. I wish I could have taped it because I think there's a lot of food for thought. Okay. Okay, I just wanted sort of an overview, if I may, or a general scan. Overview day today. Yeah. Well, Geminis aren't going through it like they were the last five years. Huh? You feel better now? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, you're going through a Pluto trine Mars and Venus, which is one of the best times of your life. It's going to last about two or three years, actually. And during that period, your intuition and your spiritual part of your nature is going to surge. If you meditate, you might receive visions or miracles or higher healing abilities. It shows some stable finance and positive romantic adventure, too. And overall, you have one of the best charts I have seen for growth coming up here. So except for you worrying too much or taking things too personal, you should be pretty fine, okay? Great. Thank you. sounds super. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you. I was ready for this topic. I had my wheatgrass juice and my spirulina before I went on the air, and I've been flying ever since. Okay, Uncle Ray is a Gemini Leo rising. Yo, Ray. Hello, Farley. You can call me Ray, and you can call me Jay, but don't call me Johnson. <laughs> I say that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that was a superior topic, and uh, it concurs with a lot of things that I know intuitively to be true. So, great topic, really. Thanks for that confirmation. Okay. I'm calling today to get uh, a reading on my Sabian symbols. Three degrees, Leo. A need to become unbound from environmental standards 
The need to be different, a feeling of confidence begins and grows throughout your life. Okay. Thanks, Guy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Michelle's a Leo with Virgo Rising. Hi, dear. Hello. How are you? Excellent. How are you? Fine. I wanted to ask you if, because um, I've always been attracted to crystals for I don't know how long now, but do you think that people who are attracted to crystals are from Atlantis? Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah. I think that crystals from a psychic or metaphysical standpoint, have tremendous spirit and entity. And in Atlantis, I think we respected crystals almost like they were another race of being. Mm -hmm. In fact, crystals may very well be another race of being from their own planet. Wow. So, you know, I do believe that the relationship that we do have with crystals, and my house is filled with them, uh -huh. is de definitely a sign and proves Atlantean heritage. Yeah. Also, I want to get a general scan. Well, you're going to have an outstanding summer as long as you can break away for a little while and rest. I need a vacation, that's true. You are shown good money, but lots of shopping at the same time. <laughs> and uh, right now, relationships could be kind of crazy, a little challenging for you, but try not to take it so personal and so hard. Okay. And overall, I think you can be happy as long as you're not too hard on yourself, okay? Okay, great. Bye-bye. Thank you, bye. Okay. Let's go to Linda now on line four, a Sag first-time caller. Hi, Lynn. Hi. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling. You were fantastic today. Heavy show for you to tune into, huh? Incredible. It all puts everything into place. I think it does, yeah. It seems so simple to me, yet it's so hard to grasp at times. A great show to meditate to and maybe regress yourself by. Absolutely. What can we do for you? Well, one question. I wanted to know if you'd seen Willow yet. Yes, twice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that answers my question. Okay. Can you give me a general scan? Yeah, you do have a Mars trying Saturn. Are you married? In a way, yes. In a way, yes. But you're going through your midlife crisis transit right now. Yeah. So you're going to be real different in the next couple of years. And I don't know. It's like you're being reshaped. You're cocooning right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when the butterfly comes out, it might be a lot more free and independent than it appears to be now. That sounds like that's the step I need to take. Okay. Thank you, hon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Jordy on line five, a Libra. Hey, Jord. Hey, how you doing, Farley? How'd you like it, huh? This is a great show. I just tuned in for the first time yesterday. I think it's great. Nailed you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're a good worker if you like what you're doing. I do. I really do. You're showing lots of relationships and love and good money coming up here. Oh, good. Is that what you wanted, a general? Yeah, yeah, general. Yeah, you are a major traveler, though, guy. All work and no play and travel makes Jordy a dull guy, so. That's my problem. Even though you got a good job, I think you're going to go on vacation, believe it or not, even if it's a long weekend, you're going to do that real soon. Hmm. Call back some other time when I have more time after you get your chart, okay? Yeah, I will. Bye-bye. That's it today, you guys and gals and everybody out there. I love you all. See you real soon weekdays on the Fox 93.5 FM at 12 noon. Have a nice day.